Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Okay. Okay. Time for some listener questions. I'm not keeping that in there. <laughs> Please do, Dana. I'll put it in the bloopers. <laughs> time for some listener questions. Let's do it together okay. at the same time and it can be our new intro. Listeners' questions. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear me sing. <laughs> no one wants to hear me sing either. Okay. All right. Um, for real though, we're going to be <laughs> diving into some listener questions today. We plan to do this quarterly now because um, we really enjoy when we do these episodes. So you don't have to wait for spring, summer, whatever to send us questions. Send them on Instagram. Send them to our email, whatever you want to do. The questions that we're going to be doing today are all focused on body image which we know will resonate very well with everyone who and listens kind of to this, this podcast. At this time um, of year, so yeah, I feel we like wanted too. to dive into that today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this a lot. And I'm, I think also too, I feel like it's relevant for this time of year. I think everyone's starting to feel the squirrelies a little bit. And so, and so the body image questions are coming a lot, coming up a lot more in like client sessions too, I've noticed as well. So this will be kind of fun to, to dive into. Yeah. So the first one is actually a follow-up to our episode from a couple of weeks ago. Um, so when we talked about, is weight a symptom? And so if you haven't listened to that episode, we will link it in the show notes. Highly recommend. Um, but so I had shared this on Instagram and the picture, the image in the feed said, why do most people and providers view weight gain as a symptom, as a deeper problem, but not weight loss? Um, and... This is just a general PSA for Instagram in general. Um, if you come across something specifically like a feed picture, which means just a static image and it's got like one very short, what we would call a poll quote from an episode, maybe read the caption before you rage text me on Instagram um, or anyone for that matter, right? Because yeah. Sometimes what happens, and I'm not saying that this is what I did in that circumstance, but sometimes when I'm coming across other people's posts, I'm like, what the actual F did they just share on there? But it was honestly meant to be inflammatory. And then the intent of the author of that post is that you go read the caption to see more about what they're talking about. Because a lot of the time, you're probably not disagreeing with what they're saying. Or if it is something that they're disagreeing, they're going to explain it more in the caption. Or maybe they're linking to, for example, a podcast episode or a longer journal article that they wrote or something. All of this to give background to this, right? But so, I also think, too, we do that, too. We do that specifically. Also, we will post something to kind of we grabby. We'll call them we'll call them like ruffle the feathers a little bit. Like, let's ruffle the feathers and see what Which, happens. We don't get to do that often because what we do, as you all know, is very neutral, right? It's not very like clickbaity or grabby or stuff like that, right? So if there's something that we really want to talk about and we really want people to hear about, sometimes you have to play the algorithm a little bit, right? But 
on the surface, why do most people and providers view, view weight gain as a symptom of a deeper problem but not weight loss? Pretty neutral, I think. In many people's experiences between what I've heard on social media, my own experience, all every single one of my clients' experiences, right? And the other thing that I would caution against is saying something like, well, I haven't had that experience. Okay, I can validate that you haven't had that experience. Like that's that's nice for you, right? But just because you haven't had that experience doesn't mean that no one else has had this experience, right? So a lot of there were a lot of questions that were raised in response to this. Um, at basically, many along the lines of like, well, if you're overweight or if someone is losing weight for health or if they have extra weight on their body, then this shouldn't it shouldn't be a problem that practitioners are recommending that they lose weight, right? Which was the general gist of some of the responses, right? And so our follow-up question to that is, what does that mean, right? Not in a judgy way. Like, what what do you mean by overweight, right? What do you mean someone is losing weight for health, right? What do you mean extra weight on your body, right? These are things to think about, right? Because all of these terms are terms that have been we have basically absorbed our entire lives, right? We've been we've been told this is the way you talk about bodies, especially in the medical field. Overweight, losing weight for health, extra weight, you know, that I would say that's more of like a weight loss industry thing. Um, but when we say these specific terms, like what exactly do you mean? That would be my suggestion. Yeah. And then next part too is like according to whom, right? Like according to whom are you overweight or do you have extra weight or are you losing weight for health and how do we define that? I think one of the things that we talked a lot about in the weight is a symptom episode is that people really love to give weight loss the credit for what health promoting behaviors actually do. And so this question, when we say, well, what if you are overweight? It's like, well, maybe, maybe it has nothing to do with your weight at all. And it more has more to do with the, the behaviors that you've incorporated. Um, you didn't have the improved health markers because you lost weight or you didn't have the, the out of marker health, like the out of range health markers because you were quote unquote overweight either. You improved your health because you incorporated more behaviors that enhance your health regardless of any ultimate like body changes that happen. And so I think that's one of the things that comes back to us for is weight a symptom is we tend to look at it from a practitioner's standpoint or not the more like the more cultural we not like we me and Dana but we tend to look at it like okay we're saying that you're overweight therefore all of these things must be a part of the weight itself. And so when we have comments like, well, if you are overweight or if you're losing weight for health or you have extra weight on your body, then that means that you have to alter, you're doing, you're changing your behavior to alter your weight. Therefore, it's going to change your health markers. And what we're saying, it's actually the opposite. The health behaviors and the behaviors around it, regardless of whether or not they change your body, are the things that are promoting health for you not the weight itself. And where we gather the terms like overweight, I mean, I have literally heard doctors say, well, you could, you have an extra few pounds, you could just tend to lose that. 
um, <laughs> like to to people and a lot to a lot of my clients too. And a lot of times my response is, well, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, like you think one, I've never heard that before. And also two, what does that actually mean? Like, what does that mean around, um, especially when we don't ask somebody what their behaviors currently are in general? And so that's one of the things that when we hear things like, well, if you're overweight or you're losing weight for your health, the question is, well, one, what do you mean by that? And according to whom are you, whom are you overweight by? What standard is that? Is that, is there validity with that standard? Um, I think we all know that I'm like leading to the BMI, right? And it doesn't take a lot of Googling to find out the BMI is kind of nonsense. So, and also there's a really, we can link to, um, there's a really great podcast episode on, um, on maintenance phase that dives directly into BMI and the history of BMI, which we can link in the show notes too for people who are like, who want to understand what does that mean exactly? Because I think it's really important for you to kind of dive into that. But I think that's the thing around why, like when Dana posted that, it is meant to make you think (laughs) on purpose. It's meant to make you dive deeper into where does this language come from? Where am I, where am I pulling this from? And is there bias that might be included in there? And what are the things that are actually are my markers for, for living a life where I have vitality and I have energy and I have all these other different pieces of these puzzles. And what exactly does that even mean? Yeah. And, you know, dissecting these questions that were asked in response to the post, right? Like what if someone is losing weight for health, right? That, that question alone means the assumption behind that is if you lose weight, your health will get better. Which, to be fair, is what we are taught by the medical system. So I understand where that's coming from, right? But then this notion of extra weight. So if a doctor ever says this to you the next time you go in, be like, what do you mean? One way to throw your doctor, they'll be like, uh, 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 you know. Or if they're like, oh, well, you have this, or oh, if you have this, I'm like, is that is that a direct correlation with negative health or something if I lose this little pooch right here is my blood pressure gonna get that much better no matter how I lose the weight right that'd be a little combative but you know (laughs) so when we're when you think about the notion of you know quote-unquote extra weight the first thing that we think of is if someone says to me like I have extra weight that means to me that you're not used to the current body that is holding more weight than it used to, most likely because you were restricted for a really long time and you had an altered sense of what normal was for you, right? And then another point here is that going back to the nature of Instagram, right, is like with these posts and these captions and all this stuff, it is impossible to cover all of the nuance of what we want to talk about, which is why we have a podcast, right? So <laughs> it, what was really funny about some of the responses to this question is people are like, well, what about the nuance of this? And what about the nuance of this? And what about the nuance of this? I'm like, look, unfortunately, that is the that is the nature of Instagram. You can't go into the nuance. It's one second and it's gone, right? Like Twitter is even worse than this. TikTok, I think, might be a little bit better because you can actually like talk for a minute or two. But the best format is a podcast. And how many times have you all heard us say, we could talk about this for hours, right? (laughs) So 
that was just another thing that I wanted to go into before we go into the actual questions that people have asked us for the episode this week. But real quick, before we go into the next one, I think there's another added point that goes into the health promoting behaviors part that I think is really important to, to post to talk about too, because I think this plays a layer into it as well. We do a lot of this, we give credit when I mentioned about how we love to give weight loss credit for our health promoting, for what health promoting behaviors actually do. We see this a lot in elimination diets. Like that happens a lot in elimination diets. We love to give food restriction credit for why we're all of a sudden feeling better, symptoms have gone down, all the different pieces of that. And we could honestly, again, nuance Dana, right? Is we could do a whole episode just on this alone, <laughs> just on this alone. And we probably will at some point. But I think one of the things that I, I like to challenge a lot of my clients with is because especially if they've done things like Whole30 or they've done AIP or different types of elimination protocols because they've had chronic health symptoms or things like that is we tend to think like, oh, it's because I've given up gluten for the last 10 years that I feel better, but yet I still don't feel that great, (laughs) that great. But I felt really good when I first started, you know, I felt really good. And so we love to give the foods that we've removed the credit for why we're feeling better when really if we look at it and like a more broad spectrum is that maybe it's because you've added in more variety into your diet that you didn't do beforehand because you got creative, because you had to like work around these restrictions that you actually incorporated different types of things. And maybe it's more about what you added in rather than what you removed. And if you added those things that you removed back in, you might actually not feel all that crappy. And I had a conversation with a client of mine around this exact situation that was happening with them. And I said, well, how do you feel when you eat gluten? She goes, feel okay. And why are we not eating it? (laughs) You know? So like, but I think it's because we love to like attack on the the restriction with credit. And that kind of goes deeper too into the, well, if I'm overweight, I need to remove. It kind of plays into that same kind of mental notion and thought process. So they really do go hand in hand. And so instead of thinking about, am I overweight or if I'm losing weight for quote unquote my health, instead think about, instead of losing, think about what can I add in to promote my health? What can I add in to promote um, my body's overall function and vitality? Instead of thinking about I'm being, I'm overweight or I have extra weight, whatever, like we said, whatever that means, we don't even, we could dive into that, but it doesn't really mean what we think it means is the point. Another piece of nuance about the uh, food eliminations is, y'all know I love to talk about the nervous system. Um, (laughs) No. What if you're only feeling better because many people who are drawn to elimination diets are type A perfectionist types. I get it. Was there. What if you're only feeling better because the fact that you have, quote unquote, found something wrong or found a new diet that you think is going to make you feel better, whether it's evidence-based or not, the aspect of control and doing something that that gives you can make your stress response calm down, which can make your symptoms better. So that was just another point that I wanted to bring up. Okay. I like that point. Question? Okay. Not another question? Thanks, Mom. Okay. So – 
the first question that we have that we're going to tackle today um, is from someone named Kate on Instagram. I'm not going to read their handle so I don't blow up their spot. I'm going to give their first name if we have it, right? Um, so this person said, I'm currently in the phase where I've stopped restricting my food and ate everything I wanted for a few months. I feel free from restriction, but my body feels terrible from the food that I've been putting into it. I've also gained a lot of weight from letting myself eat whatever I want, and I'm having trouble accepting this because it's reinforcing the idea for me that these types of foods are bad. How do you suggest reducing the amount of these foods that make me feel awful without it being triggering or reigniting restrictive behaviors? Any insight would be so appreciated. Oh, Kate, we feel you. We do. I really feel this in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling, especially when they're first kind of letting go of restriction. There is this, this kind of, this type of feeling of, um, of, of like, well, a free for all. Yeah. But it's not even like, to me, it, 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 there is a layer of free for all that happens. Right. And I think it's almost like a, like a piece of the puzzle, but part of it is there's like this narrative that can kind of live inside you of, am I, recovered from my restriction if I don't allow myself to eat all of these foods whenever they pop into my mind or whenever they're available. And I think that there is a layer of that in the beginning when we're recovering from restriction where we do have to really question every time that we're choosing not to have something, what the deeper meaning is behind why we're choosing not to um, and why we're doing that. And that's really challenging. And so that can have that feeling of, of, of feeling kind of like, well, how do I now incorporate nutrition and intentional eating into this puzzle without it feeling restrictive? And to me, this is what Dana and I have kind of discussed and some of my clients and I talk about is we call it advanced recovery tools that kind of get brought into, into the puzzle as we've moved through restriction and you're feeling free from that and we're allowing ourselves and all foods to fit. How do we then incorporate stuff that creates more of a of a um intention around how do I marry between what do I crave and desire and I don't want to restrict because I'm previously restricting it versus how do I then honor what my body needs and wants in order to feel completely completely like nourished and in its highest in its highest level and so how do you then kind of marry those two things? And it can be really complicated for sure. And it is complicated. It's super complicated. And I also just wanted to validate and acknowledge that everybody has to go through this process before you get back to the middle, before you can really incorporate intentional eating or any of these what we call advanced recovery tools. And I want to clarify too, when we say advanced recovery tools, we're not only talking about people who have had a diagnosed eating disorder. Oh, this totally. is for everybody, right? Yeah. And so this is a very, what Kate is describing is a very natural progression of going through the healing journey. Because if, again, we've talked about this a lot, when when you think about the analogy of a pendulum, if dieting is all the way on one side, you can't just swing back to the middle. The ball on the end of that chain is going to swing all the way to the opposite side with what can feel like an eat all the things mentality, because that's a natural reaction to being restricted or dieting or doing these elimination diets for so long, your brain's like, oh my God, we can finally eat these things. And it's like, but I don't truly trust us to not go back to dieting. So we're going to continue eating all of these things. And 
we're going to talk about this in another episode on kind of the pitfalls of what we see of the anti-diet movement and intuitive eating as it's seen on social media. But when you're in that phase for a really long time of eat all the things, most of what you're eating is the foods that you weren't allowed to eat when you were dieting. So it's going to be a lot of stuff like, remember Kristen, you used to say like, we're not eating bonbons all the time, you know, (laughs) and like cookies and donuts and cakes and cereal and, you know, all of these what used to be forbidden foods when we were doing our elimination for whatever reason it was. And we know as nutritionists, if you're eating, the analogy I usually give my clients is like, if you're eating McDonald's four or five times a day every day, you're not going to feel great. That doesn't mean that those are bad foods. But on a cellular level, we're not giving our bodies what our, what we need to fuel and function at our best. So that's where we start to feel kind of crappy from the inside out, right? And I also wanted to talk about, she mentioned like, I've gained a ton of weight from letting myself eat whatever I want and I'm having trouble accepting mm-hmm. this. Again, going back to the notion of the, you know, extra weight. Are you gaining weight because you're letting yourself eat whatever you want? Or are you gaining weight because you had artificially suppressed your body weight with restriction? Which is a really hard question to ask yourself and come to terms with. Because for a lot of people, given the societal standards that we live in, the repressed weight body is the one that is praised by society and told to us is healthier than one that is gaining weight even if we're trying to work our way to a more neutral place where we don't have to suppress our body weight and suppress our hunger and suppress all of our desires and and, um, deny ourselves of foods that we actually like eating. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes sense then, Kate, that you would feel like the weight gain was reinforcing the idea that those foods are bad because you're associating the weight gain with being bad too. And the weight gain isn't bad. Like Dana's mentioning, it's actually could a vary, natural reaction, a natural reaction to the pendulum, right? Like we've artificially suppressed our body size by restriction and now we're no longer restricting. And so our body's like, Hey, yay, there's foods here. This is great. I'm super pumped. Let me take it all in. Yum, yum, yum. Right. And so then naturally that's going to change. And you're right. It doesn't mean that those foods are bad. It doesn't mean it has nothing to do with the food. It has to do more with the, the pendulum behavior that we've had for so long, more than it actually has anything to do with the food itself. And I think that's the really challenging part for people to kind of put together is it has nothing to do with the food itself. The foods itself are not the problem. It's the way that we've are we've related to food for so long that creates this type of internal narrative that makes it really difficult. And one of the things that you said too that I think is interesting and that I want to challenge you with, and this is how me and Dana would approach this, is you said, how do you suggest reducing the amount of these foods? We can't reduce the amount of these foods. That's restriction. So we have to take a different approach to it. So instead of thinking about it like I have to reduce these foods because that's going to create the inner dialogue of, okay, these foods are no longer available to me. Which is only going to make you want to eat those foods more. Which is going to lead you right back into that, that diet and that restrict binge cycle that you've worked so hard to get yourself out of, which we don't want to undo. And so that's why this is an advanced recovery tool. And I like I, I like that Dana mentioned that it's not 
a recovery tool from eating disorders alone. It's like an advanced dieting recovery <laughs> recovery tool, which means that like we can't look at it from a perspective of reducing those amounts of foods. We have to change that internal narrative and instead look at it from a perspective of what can I add more in? What is my body craving? What do I desire to have that would be beneficial to my health and help me feel a little bit better? If I'm only eating certain foods, how can I incorporate more variety into my diet rather than looking at what? how can I remove these foods that I finally allowed back in? Because again, that if we reduce that, that's putting the blame on the food and it's not the food, it's the way we're relating to it. Right. And this really plays in very well to a narrative that I see a lot with people who have done things like Whole30 or elimination diets or anything specifically with the intent of symptom reduction, right? Because when you have done those things for a long time, and I'm not saying that people don't feel better the first time that they do those protocols in the sense that it may have reduced their symptoms for whatever reason, right? But the problem with, especially with things like Whole30 where they encourage you to do the program over and over and over again, or if you're not feeling good to just go back to that program, is it reinforces the mentality that eventually becomes stuck in your brain that the only way for me to feel good is to be doing this program as strictly as it's written. And then we start to feel like, I can't feel good. I couldn't possibly feel good if I'm eating any of the no foods that I was not previously allowed to or supposed to or whatever the guidelines were, right? And so what we're doing here with what we call intentional eating and more of an add-in mentality is how can I start to incorporate more foods that I like and know fuel my cells and make me feel good without it becoming a diet, without it becoming a restrictive mentality? And this is why it's an advanced recovery tool, right? Because if you took this snippet of the conversation and we were saying, oh, add in more fiber, add in more protein, add in more fruits and vegetables, add in more yada, yada, yada. If you take that snippet and you still are in the diet mentality, that could look like a diet, right? But there are so many what we will sometimes call prerequisites to getting to this point. You can't just jump into a 400 level class without taking the prereqs and the 101, the 201, the 301. This is far down the line, right? And sometimes if you're even phrasing, and this is this is not a call out, right? This is, this is just a general um, ob- observation that I would have of the way that this question was phrased is when you say, How do you suggest reducing the amount of these foods that make me feel awful without it being triggering or reigniting restrictive behaviors? That might indicate that you're not ready for this type of intentional eating. Or the only way that you could try to do this, not reducing, would be to add in, right? Thinking back of like, what what are the foods that made me feel really good when I was eating them doing those programs? We can take that as information. Why can't you add it in? You know, just because a recipe is labeled as one of these things doesn't mean you can never eat it again. You can eat it, but if that recipe when you're making it because of the diet labels triggers you to be like, oh my God, I'm doing Whole30 again. We're not ready. We're not ready. Scale back. 
It's kind of like what we what I mentioned in the previous question around how we like to give food restriction credit for while we're feeding, feeling better. The question, the way that it's phrased is you're thinking that removing those foods are actually going to help you feel better when really what we need to think about is what can I add in to, to provide my body with the nutrients that it needs on a cellular level, like Dana's mentioned, in order to, to provide my body with what it needs, you know, and thinking about it more this way. Instead of thinking about giving the restriction and the removal credit, I want you to think about what can I add in, in a gentle, natural way of things that I enjoy, things that I'm craving. And if I sit down and think about it, can I do that? The answer might be no. The answer might be I'm not ready to do that yet because I can't I can't do that without it becoming an all or nothing like uh, slide right back into restrictive restrictive behaviors. So you might have to sit here a little bit longer, and that's hard. That's really hard for a lot of people because, like you said, I'm having trouble accepting this. Right? You might have to sit here a little bit longer if it is too triggering to ignite restrictive behaviors. But if you feel like rephrasing this, reframing it and thinking about it the way that Dan and I are describing it as instead of giving the food restriction credit for why we would be feeling better and think about it more for what can I add in? And if that feels like something you can do without demonizing those those non those foods that you've now just stopped restricting, then yeah, you can go down that road. You're ready to go down that that advanced recovery tool and practice intentional eating. But again, like Dana mentioned, you can't go there without having the foundations in place. Because otherwise, it can really quickly be a slippery slope back into dieting behavior. So it's important to play around with it a little bit, work with somebody if you can, but also play around with the idea of Okay, what are, and being like incredibly honest with yourself. You've had to have been incredibly honest with yourself so far to get to the point where you said, I feel like I'm free from restriction and I have stopped restricting food and I'm eating everything and all the different pieces that you're talking about. You've done some of that work. So if you can be really honest with yourself right now and describe to yourself and think about why do I really want to change what I'm eating? Is it because I want to feel better on a cellular level and I'm feeling kind of like, you know, whatever? Or am I associating the weight gain with feeling bad and hoping that weight loss will be an offset of this? Because if that's the case, we need to sit here a little bit longer. We need to work on our body image. We need to work on what we believe is going on for our weight and accepting that and how that how that looks, what that looks like and being able to understand why my body has changed, accepting that your body has changed, doing the acceptance-based type therapy work around your body first before you can start to incorporate those types of add-in approach to food, that advanced recovery tool. Because without that foundation, we're then later, what happens if you do lose weight? Are we going to give weight loss the credit for why you're feeling better? And are we going to give food restriction the credit? We really quickly can. So it's really important to, to build those tools and build those prerequisites before you get to that stage. But if the answer is, okay, I can do that. I've done that work. I have accepted my body where it is. It's hard, but I'm doing it. Um, 
then yeah, we can add in stuff. Think about instead of reducing the amount of those foods, think about what you can add in. Be honest about what your what your body's craving. Like what is my body really asking for? And then how can you answer that question? And then what can you do from an add-in approach? This is how I know that we're work married because when you were talking, I was like, yeah, that is exactly what I was going to say, but I was just waiting for you to finish. Oh my God, I feel that way half the time when you're answering stuff. Like sometimes I'll just like, all right, next question, which is why Dana goes, thanks mom. Cause I'm like, there's literally nothing else to say. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so two things here, right? One is it sounds to me like more of the work that needs to be done to make you feel better here is if we're looking at this as like a pie chart, I'd say more of it is body image right now rather than the clinical symptoms and working on the nutrition piece. I do think they need to be worked on synergistically, but I think it would be more advantageous to you to work more on the body neutrality piece because the first question that you had in here was I'm having trouble accepting the weight gain and this is when we will say and we know y'all get mad at this would be so helpful to work with a practitioner on this because there's like in the last question we were talking about there's so much nuance to this conversation and figuring this out on your own while possible will take so much longer and so much of your mental, emotional, physical space and time and energy and resources. And my God, everyone is so burned out at this point. You don't need to do that. <laughs> no. You know, I, honestly, I, I do think like there's something really special if you have the means and ability to do so, to work with a practitioner, whether it's a nutritionist like me or Dana, like our, like the style um, or like a non-diet weight-inclusive nutritionist, or actually- Body image coach. A body image coach, or a therapist who specializes in body image and all of those things too, because we tie so much to our image um, as a society. And we've been told to do that. Having some of the therapeutic work to help untangle that a lot can be really, really helpful. And I also just want to tell you, Kate, like it's okay that you're having a hard time accepting this. Right. This is a huge change. Of course change, you are. But this is a huge change for you, right? Going from years of dieting and now all of a sudden you're really allowing yourself to feel free from restriction. Like, first of all, a freaking men, Kate, you're doing the work and it's not freaking easy. And so that's awesome. And it's okay to be here. And it's okay to need to have some additional support to work through some of the I'm having a hard time accepting this. Of course you are. Yeah. And we have not mentioned this in a really long time. So if you are a newer listener to the podcast, another really um, affordable way to get some body image help would be to do some kind of group coaching, mm -hmm. um, which a lot of people that we have had on the show previously do group coaching for this kind of stuff or doing like a lower cost online course. Christina and I have a course that we made specifically around this called the Body Image Audit. This episode is not a sales pitch for the body image audit, but we'll link it in the show notes in case you're interested. And we, because we created it specifically because we were getting questions like this all the time from our clients. So yeah. that'll be in the show notes if you're interested. Kate, we're here for you. We could talk about your situation for hours. This is why you guys should send in listener questions because we just gave you like a 30 minute answer to your <laughs> one question. You know, speaking know. of, you know, nuance and Instagram and everything, 
there's no way and like some of these questions that you guys write in are so long which we were just saying before we started recording imagine typing all this out with your thumbs right like cannot imagine and so if we ever say like oh that's a great question that we'll answer on the podcast this is why because we want to give you the time and space and the question the energy and resources that it deserves because if you I guarantee you if you have a question about this you are not alone and so many other people are going through this as well and so it's much more beneficial for us to answer it on the podcast because you get a longer answer and more people get to hear it too yay so we can help each other and it's almost like spot coaching Hey friends, it's Dana. So uh, obviously we are not finished with this discussion. We ended up doing such a deep dive on these two, three questions just in this first part of the episode that the entire recording ended up being about like an hour and a half long, which was way longer than we expected. So in next week's episode, we're going to be diving into the rest of the body image questions that we received from you all. So in the meantime, we're going to be linking a bunch of other episodes related to this topic in the show notes, both from Wholehearted Eating, from previously Real Talk with Dana, and then also Maintenance Phase podcast and a couple of other resources. So you're not left hanging in between the two episodes. And as always, if you have a question or a topic you would like us to discuss, whether it's a listener questions episode or it's a deep dive that we do, email us. Hello at wholeheartedeating.com. Our inbox is always open. Hey friends, it's Dana, and thanks for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you again here next week.